Welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director, and I'm joined by my notable NABPACer, Abigail Cave, and our producer and consultant, Adam Belmar from EFB Advocacy. Before we get started on this, the very first episode of Facts About PACs podcast, I want to say to everyone in our audience, we are praying for you and your loved ones, and we hope that everyone is able to remain safe and healthy. We recognize that coronavirus has upended every element of your personal and professional lives, and it is for this reason that we are launching this podcast today. Our mission with this podcast is to hear from our members, recap our latest activities, share best practices, provide actionable intelligence, and help everyone find innovative ways to remain effective during this coronavirus crisis. So with that, let's get started. Abigail Cave and Adam Belmar, welcome to episode one of Facts About Pat. Hi, Michaela. It's exciting to be here. Well, thank you all for joining today on our first podcast. As you both know, NABPAC has created several tools and resources to help our members navigate these uncertain times. And one of our very first things that we did was to survey our membership about their plans in this very moment. We have received many questions about what other PACs are doing right now as it relates to soliciting their members, continuing to make campaign contributions, how to utilize ACH transactions, and truthfully, the list goes on. So Abigail, we ended up with over 80 members who participated in our survey a couple of weeks ago, with 93% of the respondents reporting that they have temporarily paused their solicitation, which is appropriate in this time of crisis. What did respondents say about a timeline for their pauses? Interesting. Most actually suggested that they are doing this temporarily. We had a couple of respondents say that they would pause giving until the end of the year, but a large majority of PACs are just suspending for the time being. It's interesting though, 75% plan to actually continue to make contributions to candidates despite the fact that they're not soliciting and they're not able to hold in-person fundraisers. So additionally, 59% said that they do intend to continue making campaign contributions to federal candidates during this crisis and 19% to state candidates. Did respondents indicate a willingness to sort of switch gears and participate in virtual town halls or virtual coffees? Yes, uh, many PACs will continue to make the contributions and if they're offering virtual events, um, 68% of them would consider making contributions and attending those. Yeah, it's interesting. We're we're getting an uptick in uh, fundraisers and political party committees reaching out to us. I think there's a really strong interest in moving forward with these sort of virtual town halls and coffees and maybe even one-on-one opportunities. And I think it's really, truly a great opportunity for our member companies to continue engaging with their champions with those elected officials that they need to remain in contact with in the coming weeks and months. And then finally, 78% responded by saying that they will continue with robust communications during this crisis. And I'm just curious, what were some of the types of communications? What kinds of things were they interested in continuing to talk to their eligible organizations or employees about, Abigail? Well, a significant number of them talked about um, discussing the pandemic and legislation around it, about 50%, a little over 50% of our respondents talked about that. And they also want to discuss the pandemic and their organization's government affairs surrounding that. And about 68 or 67% of respondents talked about that. A much lower number discussed using um, GOTV communication, uh, about 35% of that. So definitely centering around the pandemic, about 50% wanted to focus on the elections as well. Well, I think even in our very first webinar that we hosted about communications and effects of a crisis on your PAC, 
uh, several of our panelists on that webinar said that if you do nothing else is to continue communicating and keeping the lines of communication open with your eligible employees, you know, really letting them know that you're there for them, even providing insight on just the latest going on in Washington with COVID-19. And so truly keeping those lines of communication is going to be critically important as we move forward, even if you aren't soliciting your members. Um, and so Adam, you know, we've also fielded a lot of questions about potential pack match programs, which many of our companies are accustomed to utilizing those programs. And this is where an organization can offer a match to a charity of the employee's choice when they give to the PAC. And so while most organizations have currently paused their solicitations, there may actually be an opportunity for these organizations to support COVID-19 charities through these PAC match programs, which I know you have some expertise on this and have done some work. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're seeing with your clients in this space. Yeah, Michaela, this is actually a terrific opportunity where PAC match is concerned. And for the PAC professional community, NAPAC has been a leader I'm thinking specifically about a wonderful 2016 survey that was done by the National Association of Business Political Action Committees that is still up on the NABPAC website to this day. And people might want to click the link to familiarize themselves. Charitable giving is a tool for growing participation and receipts within a PAC. So let's get a couple quick facts about PACs out of the way. Employee-funded PACs are not corporate giving. However, if you have a program in your PAC where you make a contribution, you can have a match, maybe that's dollar for dollar, maybe that's 50 cents on the dollar or however it's arranged, for a charitable contribution to be made to a charity of your choice. And this is something that employees love to be able to do. So it's about doing good, Michaela. It's about being able to support issues and the policies that make tremendous important decisions for the company or the industry that you're in and utilizing your pack in the way that was always intended and then getting this great sort of fringe benefit of being able to make a charitable match donation from your company. Now, I think that people should realize that investigating how you can fold in COVID-19 related charities or anything like that is going to be a great inducement to folks. Oh, absolutely. I think this is, like I said at the outset, a, a really wonderful opportunity to either, you know, support your own uh, organization's COVID-19 efforts for even your own employees. But I think that you know, everyone is looking for a way to give back during this crisis and what can we all do? So many of our member companies are jumping in and trying to do whatever they can with their own corporate and organizational resources to help our communities in this crisis. And so if our if our organizations can offer this uh, dollar for dollar pack match opportunity, I think that there will be a lot of positive feedback from the employees or eligibles uh, in supporting that cause. I agree with you. And I, I think another fact about PACs that people know and should remember, and of course we need to educate everyone, is that employee-funded PACs encourage participation the right way, transparently, in our political process. But here again is this wonderful French benefit that is provided for by law. It is completely appropriate, and it allows you to get a little bit more bang for that buck. So you're, you're moving forward in one area, and yet you're doing good for others in another. And one of the things that NABPAC, Michaela, interestingly, has helped membership with over the years is a little bit about how much time 
does it take to really manage a program like this? And folks have found over the years that it can be time consuming and they've engaged vendors to help do this. Of course, the benefit is that people love it and it really helps to get people involved. And so at a time when every dollar is just a little bit harder to come by, but our priorities matter maybe even more than ever, we're in an election year, we're thinking about how the government is responding to this crisis for our industries, for our companies, and we want to do something that can really help people in our community. This is a great way to do it. I, I agree completely. Thank you, Adam, mm -hmm. for that insight and the work that you've been doing with some of your clients and sharing sort of the lessons learned um, from your perspective. Moving on just a little bit, Abigail, we, we moved quickly to put together a couple of webinars over the last week and a half or so. And one of the very first webinars we hosted was the effects of a crisis on your PAC. We have several of our members who weathered through previous crises in our history, including 9-11 and the financial crisis of the mid-2000s. And I think that our two participants, uh, Kate Smith, who is the Director of Public Affairs and Operations at Takeda Pharmaceuticals, and Christine Kilbride, who is Principal of Kilbride Public Affairs, really were able to, I think, offer some comfort in this time of need that while in this moment of crisis, there is actually some light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. And from your perspective, what were your key takeaways? We had over 110 participants on that webinar. I think just proving that there was a need for uh, this sort of information and what did folks do before in previous crises? What was your take from that webinar? Absolutely. A little side note before I launch into the two key takeaways is many of our members are newer to the PAC world. They aren't these seasoned public affairs veterans or people where this is their second job or third job out of college. So they didn't weather the financial crisis or 9-11 in their professional career. They were probably still in school. So this is an essential webinar for them to just understand how they should even begin to start chewing on this. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways I learned was that in times of a financial recession, such as the 2009-2010 financial crisis, PAC receipts did go down. But in times of national crisis, such as 9-11, PAC receipts either stayed the same or increased. A lot of that is attributed to the patriotism and to the banding together of the nation. So in this case, we're kind of a half and half situation, but we're definitely having a national crisis, but it also might have a financial crisis attached to it. We're kind of holding tight waiting to see. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. Absolutely. I thought Kate was uh, really poignant in some of her responses around just really being transparent and thoughtful in their communications to their employees and really recognizing that, look, we're in a really tough time in our country's history at the moment. We understand the concerns everybody has, both personally and professionally. But we need, as PAC managers, to continue to provide information, deploy resources. A lot of that really does help calm the nerves and for the, those employees of those organizations to know that their organization is involved and trying to be uh, part of the solution during this crisis, I think, was really important to note for our attendees. One of the other items that they talked about was just really being proactive 
and acknowledging, like I said, the crisis, and then just continuing to educate the employees on a regular basis. I know this may dovetail a little bit into our second webinar that we put on this week about communicating in a crisis. And I think from both of those panels, what we've learned is that really and truly you should be communicating in good times and in bad times, as Lori Richards said, you must communicate. And so Adam, I'm just curious from your thoughts on how Lori Richards' uh, presentation was received from your perspective. Yeah, Lori Richards is a first-rate communicator and a great coach. And the fact that NAPAC was able to pull her in so quickly to facilitate that webinar, I think it had huge value. And as you just said, you should be communicating in a crisis. You must. And that is part and parcel of her message. And she really broke it down at a base level. And I think that respects a lot of what Abigail just said, that some of us are coming into this crisis in our roles, perhaps, without a great deal of knowledge about how to do this. This is our first time going through it. And so she talks about very basic things like choose your spokesperson. Make sure that person has got authority and credibility. She talks a lot about crafting the message, about being empathetic and realistic and talking specifically about resources, the kind of things that NABPAC has been doing, providing resources that people need, whether they know they need them or not, to let them know that it's here. And then also what to say. I felt like she was so on point about adopting language that respects everybody's in this together nature, right? Let them know that we're all going through a time of crisis. And like you, we're feeling these things. We're trying to keep it together. And we hope that you and your family are safe. We don't want people to feel left out. Did you get that too? I did. And I actually think too, that the biggest takeaway I had from that webinar, and we could tell just even in the chat box that there were a lot of questions around this, but handpicking that spokesperson is so critically important. And it may not be you as the PAC manager. Uh, and one of the things she said is it may not even be the CEO, especially if the CEO isn't a current contributor to the PAC. And so that may not be the most valued voice when it comes to your PAC participants. So really thinking through, I mean, you know, my sort of knee-jerk reaction is the CEO, but it may not be. And that's not disrespect to the CEO. It's just thinking through who the employees really have the most connection with, and it's an authentic connection, and that they feel sort of a connection with that messenger. Yeah, that was definitely a great takeaway from the presentation that NABPAC put on with Lori. And I think it bears repeating that you have to understand what are the next steps, right? How do you communicate where we are, NABPAC, as an organization and helping folks, but within your PAC? How are you communicating? We're not soliciting right now, and that makes sense. But it, it's not the time to shy away from keeping those channels that are well-established, working and sharing with people what information you can. The anxiety is usually bred from a fear of the unknown. And Lord, we are all in an area of the unknown now. We're testing ourselves and our faith and our communication. And I think that that is really at the heart of the Facts About PACS podcast. And it certainly was in what Lori delivered in that webinar. Yes, it was it was really helpful. And just knowing to be decisive and realistic and empathetic and finding that balance, being specific to your point about what the next steps are as it relates to getting back to those PAC eligibles. And then, like I said, just being sort of future focused, we're going to continue to provide this information and keep them informed. So two great webinars right out of the gate, I think. And hopefully we've got all of our recordings 
downloaded on our website. If you missed those, you can certainly listen from our website where those are hosted. So just a couple other things in the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of questions on really electronic signatures and ACH transfers. I know, Abigail, we know that a lot of campaigns are not set up really for ACH transfers. And I think a lot of our members are trying to figure this out now in this time of need and with offices closed and not being able to necessarily get checks signed by all the folks that need to sign them. So just curious what you're hearing on the ACH transactions. And do you think we're going to see a a more permanent move to this capability? I mean, I definitely hope so. I like to think that since it's 2020, we move more towards (laughs) Uh, electronic situations anyway, because in all reality, this is going to be a turning point in terms of the way we operate as public affairs professionals, PAC professionals, campaign professionals. In terms of the offerings, we actually have multiple vendors who are offering electronic signatures and ACH abilities through their platform. You can find information on this on our website. We have a section under our crisis response called vendor resources. Eagle Bank and Aristotle are both offering different methods of check printing and ACH transfers. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely check that out and give them a call. But we definitely value our vendors and the way they're stepping up for our members in this difficult time. Absolutely. And one of the things that we did really kind of right out of the gate was we also let our members know that the campaigns are probably not quite ready for this. And they may not even know, you know, how to get this set up or even what account they have. So we too provided sort of a sample ACH form for them to share with campaigns and candidates if they so chose to. And we just sort of warned our members that, you know, this is really, it may take a couple of times for them to get this right. As Abigail mentioned, those resources are on our website for you to to download. And then finally, for today's podcast, we also, there's been a lot of questions about uh, the use of electronic signatures and uh, Jan Barron with Wiley Rhine and our legal hotline shared with our membership that there was a 2006 notice from the FEC that established the principle that electronic records can satisfy record keeping requirements. And in that case, it was a payroll deduction issue. But since then, it has been accepted that other data, including contribution records, expenditure records, and even prior approval forms, which is very important for our membership, can also be preserved electronically. So Abigail, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on electronic signatures, but uh, certainly interested in your thoughts on that. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I have a little bit of a campaign preview as well. And yeah, it's definitely something that we're trying to figure out in terms of how we can continue to fundraise while PACs are also trying to figure out how to continue to give contributions. So we're working on this electronic method as well. So we're looking forward to having that up and running and being able to get back to, I don't want to say business as normal because it won't be, but business as new normal. We hope that'll be sooner rather than later for sure. Well, Adam, Abigail, this was a great first podcast. I want to thank you both so much for your time today. This brings us to the end of episode one of Facts About Packs podcast. If you like what you've heard, please let us know. We really want to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, guests, and shows. Serving you and your needs is what we're all about here at NABPAC. We will continue to be here for you. And please don't ever hesitate to reach out to us. We have a lot of resources posted on our website at nabpac.org. So please take a look. We have a special COVID-19 section for our website. And as Abigail mentioned, several of our vendor members have put together 
NAVPAC only offerings, and those can be found on our website as well. We continue to pray for everyone, and we hope that you all remain safe and healthy during this time. Thank you.